Hello, everyone, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease, and author of the book that shares the same name of this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great, but sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times, and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. I hope you've been able to catch our recent episodes, including the one with Valerie Gordon, 10-time Emmy Award-winning storyteller and founder of a career and communication strategy firm who talks about managing a job search during hard times. Or last week's episode with Lynn Giovanelli, a true beacon of light. Though recently diagnosed with ALS, she shares her incredibly moving story and talks about positive energy, healthy living, and having hope. Now, if you've liked these episodes or others, please tell your friends and do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed. And now for this episode... I am beyond thrilled to introduce you to Anne Cannon Wilson, an author, philanthropist, and retired business manager who shares her love story about her late husband, Don, and how they were incredible caregivers to each other through life's hardships, including menopause, cancer, and so much more. Anne's insights are incredibly thoughtful and resourceful. Her heart is full of love and joy, and I can't wait you to hear from her. So please grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to introduce you to Anne Cannon Wilson. She's an author, philanthropist, retired business manager, and mother of two amazing daughters. She worked side-by-side with her late husband, Don, for 25 years to help grow the family business. Now, she retired 18 years ago to pursue her own passions, and she has spent much of that time as a leader in her church, taking care of her family, and giving back to the community. She's the founder of the LMC Foundation, named after her mother, which was created to serve senior citizens who may not have the resources or family to support them. In recent years, she is the co-founder of the Dream a Dream Foundation in memory of her late husband. The work of the foundation is to create career opportunities and exposure for youth in sports, music, and entrepreneurship. She has a strong sense of work ethic, integrity, and charity. And what is so incredibly beautiful is that she has passed this on to her children, See, I worked with her daughter, Kim, for years, and Kim is a strategic, strong, and brilliant businesswoman with a mentoring and charitable heart. It sounds to me like she had an amazing role model in both of her parents. And today, I am thrilled to be connecting you guys and me with Anne and to talk about really what's a hardship for so many women. Anne and I are going to discuss, quote unquote, that stage of life that many women, hey, just don't want to discuss, and that is menopause. Now, 20 years ago, Anne authored the book, 
Ways to Help Your Mate Through Menopause, which has been recently released, and I am so honored to have her on this call to share her thoughts. Hi, Anne. Welcome. Hi, Karen. How are you? I am great, and I am so grateful that you are here to share what is a often hard conversation amongst women. I know. I know. But, you know, it's just something that is so much needed because menopause is not going anywhere. It's here to stay. It is not. It is not. And what's interesting is that for those who've listened to me on the podcast or know me through Pretty Wellness, you know that as a two-time cancer survivor, I was medically put into menopause. So I went into menopause right away. And though there were some glorious side effects there, however, that's different than what most women go through. And so I would love for you, I guess, to start out and tell us a little bit about your story and why you decided to write a book on it. Well, um, several reasons. Um, One is because um, menopause is something that's going to be around forever. It's not going to go away. I know. And uh, I just remembered uh, before I turned 49, I was this person that was always doing something and I was on the go. I felt good. I had all this energy and everything was just going extremely well. And then when I turned 49, I just began to experience feelings that I had never felt before. Uh, it's just like all of a sudden I began to feel anxious and just drained and unhappy all the time. And I'm depressed and I just couldn't figure out what was going on with me. And I couldn't really go to my mom and talk to her about it because, um, I don't know about your mom, but back (laughs) there, uh, it's just certain things we didn't talk about. Right, right. Uh, they didn't discuss it with you. And then as I, I thought about it, my mom went through the same thing, and I didn't have a clue because I was still young. I had no clue what she was going through, and I don't know for sure if she knew. But all the symptoms that she was having, I was having, and had I known that's what she was going through, then I would have been able to, you know, right. be there to support her and be more concerned. But because I didn't know, I just couldn't imagine. But well, I was going through all of this, and it just got to the point where it, it became almost like unbearable. And and um, so I did have a friend that was older than uh, I was, and I just kind of mentioned it to her. And she said, well, you know, it sounds like you're going through menopause. And I said, oh, boy. So what I decided to do to, was to just do some research to find out the things that I was going through. And then I, I ran across all these symptoms that I was having and more uh, symptoms that, that I didn't have. I didn't have any clue, you know, <laughs> What's going on here? I, I, I really thought I was losing my mind. I, I really did because I was not accustomed to feeling this way. And isn't, so, isn't that wild that our bodies, you know, we think we know them so well, and, mm, right? But to your point, you never felt this way before. No. And, and here, all these like 
can you talk, tell us a little bit about some of those, like the side effects that you had or that you hear people having? Well, mine mostly was depression and anxiety. Oh my God, those were the two things that was really, 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 really bad for me. And so uh, trying to deal with that without going on medication, which I did not want to do, I just started to, uh, because of my, my faith, I, I, my faith is so strong until I just began to, you know, ask God to yeah. help me right, get right. through it. Because, you know, sometimes when you talk to people, they don't want to talk about it. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this is not going on with me. And so you know right away that that's not the person you need to talk to right. because they don't want to talk about right. it. Right. And thank goodness your and, friend even brought it up in the first place when you started talking I, to her. <laughs> you know, and so I was thankful uh, to her that she even addressed the situation with me. And that was the start of me kind of trying to find out about the depression and the anxiety and what can I do about that. But my faith is so strong. It truly is. That and my husband, who really, really got me through this without the medication. I, I was, Clearly, I changed my diet. I would exercise. Okay. I, I took vitamin supplements. I would meditate. I, I would just do all of these things. And it, it really, really did help. Um, I also had a friend that was going through some other things. And she suggested that, you know, maybe you should go to the doctor and get on some uh, antibiotics, which I really did not want to do. And I felt, I, I fought hard not to do that because I know sometimes, and not all cases, but sometimes it causes other problems. Right. And I thought I wanted to try to stick it out. And so that's what I did. I just started meditating, changed my diet, exercising four to five days a week, took vitamin supplements, and that really did help. But my husband, oh my God, and I want to say this about your husband. I kind of like fell in love with him, if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, when, I listened to, when I listened to your interview with him. Oh my gosh. I said, I, I, I said <laughs> no, go ahead. No, I, I re-fell re in love with him too in that episode. <laughs> I mean, I'm so in love with him, but when he talked about my cancer and how it happened to us and how he was in it with us. Did that remind you of Don? Did that remind yes, you of? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Yes, it did. And that's why I said, oh my God, I can relate to this. Yes. And thank then you. the one thing, thank you, thank you. the one thing that he said is so much me. And I'm, I'm a, I, I took it that he was talking about you when he said this. Stop getting in your, your head. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. When he was starting. And I do that all the time. I do that all the time. Yes, I do it too. I mean, clearly he was, he was talking about me. I get in my head and there might be something that I'm worried about, whether it's health or not. But when I get out of my head and I do something about it, like it sounds like that's what you did. I mean, everything that you just said about how you changed your diet, how you started to exercise four or five times a week, how you meditated all things I did with the stage four diagnosis. 
right? Yeah. And it's life changing, or it's what's it is life changing, and I think that's what is. And it took some effort, but it, it's you know seven years later, and I'm still thr- I'm thriving with stage four disease. And I think to your point with menopause, is isn't it worth a shot to try to make these lifestyle changes to not oh, have to go on medication? Is. It, it is. It is. And I also like when he said, not worrying. You know, I just love his demeanor. He's just so calm. Oh, and that's the way, and, and that's the way my husband was. He was so calm. And I just, I'm all over the place. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I love, I mean, it makes me, I mean, goodness, it makes me want to cry. Um, I know. That, right? I know. And then, when he said, you know, stop worrying about things you don't have any control over more or less. And sometimes you're worrying about things that you don't need to worry about. Oh. It just pops up in your head and yes. there you go. Yes. yes. And it never happens. It never happens. Well, thank you. He is, uh, you know, I said to many people after we did that episode, I I had these moments where it you know it brings you back when you sit there and we talked about the first the initial cancer diagnosis and then the stage four and for him he's always been very matter of fact he's always been so mm-hmm. supportive in that yes. way yeah yeah which yes. it's such a compliment to me that you were saying that that your husband and my husband have so many similarities because I know you know coming full circle here Kim speaks the world of both the two of you. And she, she always did, you know, in fact, she still does for when we've recently reconnected. And so for you to give, you know, my husband, that big compliment means a lot. Um, Oh, absolutely. The calmness, the peacefulness, the, uh, the, just letting you know I'm here for you. That makes a world a difference. And this kind of goes back to uh, the book, uh, why I wrote this book is because when I was going through the menopause and it was just horrible, the depression, I could be in the house getting ready to go out and I'm feeling fine. By the time I would get in my car, it was like I was brought into this dark place and I couldn't come out of it. I just could not come out of it. And it's not a good place to be. And so I, I want to remember how uh, I was able to uh, really talk to my husband about what I was going through. I I went to church one Sunday, and it was a different church. I just decided to visit another church, and the pastor there, uh, oh, my God, when he, it was like he knew I was coming, and he said uh-huh. all the right things, and uh-huh. I needed that. So when I got home, I was telling my husband, I said, you know, You know, I went to church and I felt so good afterwards because the pastor was talking about this and that. And I just felt so good. I felt so good. And he just got kind of quiet with me. And I couldn't understand why was he quiet. And it went on for almost a week. He was kind of giving me the silent treatment. Oh, uh uh-huh. And so I finally asked him, I said, what's going on with you? He said, well, I don't like the fact that you know, you're feeling one way and you're going somewhere and let this guy tell you, making you feel good about yourself. And what am I here for? You know, and that's when I said, okay, okay, let's, let's sit down. And so we sat down and I went on to explain to him 
everything that I was going through, which I never did before, I was going through things that he was not aware of. And so he didn't know how to help me because if you don't communicate, right? you know, he doesn't know. I didn't quite know how to tell him about what I was going through because the first thing pops in my mind, and like your husband says, stop getting in your head. The first thing pops in my mind is, oh, if I tell him that I'm going through all this, I don't know if he might want to leave me or he might think of, of being less than a woman or he might go out there and have a, you know, an affair because I'm not that person he married. All these things are going on in your head. So you, you, you hesitate in trying to sit there and tell him. But when he said, I need to know, oh, my God, when he said that, I just opened up to tell him how I felt pretty much on a day-to-day basis. I would have good days and I would have bad days. I was functionable, but yet I wasn't. You know, people who knew me because I was going to work every day, they had no clue because I tried to keep that out of the workplace and just kind of, you know, come back home and go through it or close the door at work and try to get through it because I'm that person that I think I'm a woman of steel that I can do it all. Uh I can do this. I don't need you for this. This crazy stuff going on in my head. So once I explained that to him, it was on. He did everything he possibly could to help me through it. And so when I started seeing some of the things that he was doing, I said, you know what? I need to write a book on this because there's so many women out here that are going through the same thing that I'm going through. And they don't know how to communicate it to their husbands, and they need to know. And so that's how, why I wrote the book, because I wanted women to know that their spouses, I would say, and I know there are going to be some jerks out here that's not going to support us. Yeah. I do know that. But there are some spouses out here that are willing to work with us. And so I just wanted to let them know that. Well, I have so many different directions. I want to go right on, on this. I, I will say that, yes, there are some men, spouses, whatever, that that aren't going to be supportive. I would love, I would really like to think that the majority will be. However, it's about communication and figuring out, you know, you know, how do you communicate best to your significant other? And mm-hmm. why I love the your book is because yes, there are many things and you do cover this that happened to us during menopause. Things that we can do like you and I had talked about healthy lifestyle, figuring out what works for you so that you can physically feel a little better. However, when you're going through all these changes in life, and honestly, it's, it really isn't just menopause, but it definitely is menopause. Anytime you're going through any hardship, you right. I can't imagine how it wouldn't be helpful to have your significant other be incredibly supportive. However, a lot of times they don't know what to do. And they so- don't. That's why your book is genius, because you have almost 70 pages worth of beautifully illustrated, I might say, but probably 70 tips here of ideas of things that can help. You know, something that you could, you know, I'd say like, give this book to my husband or, you know, come with with these ideas as you talk more and more about them. Some of them are very simple, like the one I love. 
They are caring. And uh, my husband, uh, I would say he did 90% of those illustrations. I mean, he actually did. And it just surprised me. So, I, I mean, I knew he was a good guy, but I had no idea the extent that he would go to to make sure that I was comfortable. And I can remember I had some sleepless nights. I was tossing and I was turning. And he didn't have to say anything because I'm sure he knew, okay, she's having Uh one of her moments. And so he just turned over and held me. And I went to sleep. I went to sleep. It it just, if, if your spouse knew the power that they have, to get you through the things that you're going through, I would want to believe that they would do that and not let you suffer alone. I, I just want to believe that they would. But again, if they're there, if they don't know, then they don't know what to do. That's why my, I feel that my book is so important because men don't know. And I know before um, uh, my husband got uh, sick, I was promoting my book, and I had gone to a couple of um, uh, workshops and affairs that they were promoting books and different stuff. And the men were so interested in the book because, oh, oh, okay, I need to know what's going on because I think my my spouse may be going through this. So let me get a book and see what's going on. Again, it comes from not knowing and communication. Those are the two things you got to communicate to it. And hopefully, like I said, that they will support you in spite of. Well, isn't it amazing that we have this idea in our mind that it's hard to talk about tough subjects, right? Yeah. Uh, But look at your example there that you're at these events and all these men are coming up and saying, hey, this (laughs) this is useful information because we don't know what to do. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, And so we, as women, will have to uh, do what we have to do and get these thoughts out of our mind about what's going to might happen. It might happen. You don't know, but you're thinking that it might happen. And just go on and say it and do it and just be that that person. I'm going to take a chance and let the chips fall where they may. I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to hold this. We have a tendency to hold things in, right. and, and that's not good. Right, right. And then you find some people, you want to go to them and talk to them about situations, whether it be menopause or anything, and they're not having it. They, they, they brush you off. They don't want to talk about it. But I think as women, if we would just stick together and, and help each other, I think that would be such a good thing. And kind of changing the subject a little bit, uh, I, and I thought about, uh, you was asking me, why did I write the book too? Uh, I know Kim probably told you that her dad uh, died of cancer. Yeah. Uh, he was ill, had so many health issues. Oh my God. So I had to kind of like put my life on hold because I needed to take care of him. I did not want to put him in a nursing facility or anything, because when I think about what he did for me, yeah, how dare the thought even come in my mind to put him in an institution of any kind. And so I kept him here, and I took care 
of him. And I did have some help. I, I, I did need some help because he was an amputee and, he, you know, he was a really tall six foot five <laughs> guy and <laughs> all of that. And I couldn't do, there were certain things I could not do for him. So I did need to help. Needed help. And so the girls, naturally, they were here, but they had jobs and Kim was in L.A. And what have you, but she would come home all the time. But still was, yeah. and so, you know, much that she could do. And so I did have help, but it was such, oh my God, it was such a job. It took so much out of me, but I never, Karen, I never gave up and I never regret that I kept him home to make sure he was comfortable and well taken care of. I can, I, right now, I can go into his bedroom and look over there and see him, even though I've changed, you know, the bed and all, just mm-hmm. changed everything. I can see him over there. And every time I would walk in the room, he would have a smile on his face. And he was in bad shape. He really was. But when he see me, he, when he would see me come through the door, the big smile would come because that was his way. And every time I did something for him, I mean, it could be little things, any little thing, he would always say thank you. And I appreciated that because I really and truly tried to do everything that I possibly could to make him comfortable. And I, I, and I'm, I'm, I know I did. There are no faults. I couldn't have done anything any differently. And so when he took his last breath, I never will forget this. I was upstairs, Kimberly and Valerie and her cousins were downstairs in my husband's room. And he said, where's your mother? I said, oh, God. And I'm upstairs knowing what's going on. Yeah. He's making, he's, he's making his transition. Uh-huh. And I just really, truly didn't want to be there. But he said, where's your mom? <laughs> so they came upstairs to get me. And naturally, I had to come down. So I took his hand and looked him in his eyes. And he just closed his eyes, and that was the end of him. And I said, oh, my God. At least I know for sure that I did what I was supposed to do. And so that's why I wrote the book, to you know, because it really works both ways. You're supposed to be there for each other, you know? Well, and, and I'm so thankful that I was. I'm totally crying right now because this is the most beautiful love story. As you talked about how you wrote the book 20 years ago to help women, to share with them, to communicate to their husbands or to make it a a tool for the husbands so that they can be connected through love, right? All these efforts are bits of love. And then here, you know, years later, when Don's continually sick and you want to take care of him because you love him so much. The tables are now turned, but you yeah. draw upon these efforts of love to, you know, to, I guess, to live this life that is full of love. I'm saying the same yeah. thing over again. I think, um, again, cause I've tears running down my face, but it's such a beautiful love story. Mm-hmm. And if Kevin and I can have, what you guys have, I know that we will, that we will live this wonderfully amazing life, whatever might happen. 
Yes, yes. And Karen, let me just share this with you also. After my husband passed, and I knew because he was suffering so that he was in, going to be in a better place once he passed. After that, I kind of thought, okay, well, maybe my life will kind of get back to some kind of normancy, you know, yeah. and I would be able to do this and do that. But four months later, and I can pinpoint it, all hell broke loose with me. Karen, I tell you, I could not function. I could not function. I was not able to get in a car and drive to the store. I was not able to go anywhere by myself. I would be in a crowd. I would have to leave. I, there was nothing. I just couldn't take it. I, I just could not. And so I was beginning to stay in the house, go upstairs into my bedroom, and just kind of, you know, be by myself. And so my siblings, who I loved dearly, they were always there for me. And uh, my daughters, they said, well, Mom, this is not going to work. And then, uh, again, I just stopped praying about it. I said, well, you know, I did all I could do. So now you're going to have to get yourself together. And to this day, it's been six years in September. I can actually say that I'm not all the way back, but I am so much better than I was because I decided to fight because I felt that I had a lot to give and I still had a lot to do in life. So why are you giving in to this? You did what you were supposed to do. So now this is your time. So get it, get it together. And like I said, because of my faith, oh my God, I'm able to function really uh -huh. good now. Like I said, I'm not 100%, but I am so much better. And so I really thank God for that part of it. You know, I just knew I was going to be all the way back, once he back. But it doesn't happen the way sometimes you think it's going to happen. Well, I, and I think it goes back to hardship. You know, you, we know that various things in life can be really hard and stressful and heartbreaking, but we just don't really know necessarily in the day-to-day -day how that's going to play out. Yes, exactly. We and don't know. No, we don't know. And, and I know that, as you said, your faith has played such a huge role in helping you get to a a better, you know, a better place. What else are you tapping into that you can share with the listeners that have helped you, whether it was through caregiving for Don or menopause or the, you know, after Don passed that has helped you put one foot in front of the other? Well, once I decided that I was not going to give in to anything and I had a lot of things to come against me, I mean, a lot of things start coming against me. And I'm saying to myself, where is this coming from? You know, I've been this, I've been this nice person. I've been this nice guy. Where is all of this coming from? But what it does is all these things that come up on you, what it does is it makes you stronger. Uh -huh. It makes you want to do better so you can be there to share this with someone else. And a lot of times things happen to you and it's not... And it has nothing to do with you. It really doesn't. It happens to you, 
But it has nothing to do with you because what you need to be understanding is you have experienced this so you can help somebody else. And that's what I do. I find myself a lot of times just helping somebody else, encouraging somebody else that, you know, okay, I've gone through it and I might not have gone through exactly what you're going through, but it's all the same thing. Everybody goes through something and it might be different, but they're still going through something. So my job today is to encourage people, don't give in, you know, just don't. And it's hard. And I know many days, even now, Karen, I sometimes will get up in the morning and I feel, oh boy, mm, what am I going to do today? And because of the pandemic, it, it makes it even worse yeah, right. because you cannot get out and do the things that you want to do. And be around the people that you would probably normally be around. And it's hard. So some of those days I, I kind of sink into a little depression. But again, I don't let it get in my head. I, I pull myself out of it. I have a couple of scriptures that I always say. Uh-huh. And they pull me out of it. And I'm fine. But I think, again, we have to not only encourage other people. We have to encourage ourselves. And that sometimes can be the hardest. I, I, like, I, I can speak for myself. However, it's really powerful when you end up then ha- getting through that hard day or that hard few months or years, and you can look back in reflection and be, you know, things I've done that I'm really proud of. It yeah. doesn't matter who is also proud of me. I mean, it does, and it makes me feel good, but to really... Um, I guess, feel proud of the efforts that I went through to get to a certain place feels amazing. It it does because, you know, uh, some people you, you would think would be there to support you or be in your corner. They're not there. And so that's when it comes to encouraging yourself. You know what you're doing. It's good. So you, you you have to encourage yourself. As long as you know that you're you're doing the right thing, uh, then you can encourage yourself. And a lot of times it does work. Well, and- it, it does work. And, and not all the time, because, you know, I do have a couple of friends that I really feel close to, and I feel that I can talk and share everything with them. But sometimes when I get in that state, that I really, really need to talk to somebody, I can't reach either one. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Has that ever happened to you? I cannot yeah. to either one. And then I said, well, what am I going to do now? Okay, that's where your faith kick in. Well, and I found a tool that works for me, and I, I say it a lot. However, I will say it, it just works for me, is writing has become completely cathartic. I will, oh, okay. I, I will say that when uh, a very dear friend of mine passed away in December and I, you know, naturally was having a hard time with, she also has stage four disease. And so we were, you know, in the sisterhood together and I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't feel like I could talk about it. And I honestly, I started writing her a letter that has, yeah, it, you could kind of call it a journal, journal writing, but I, it was on my computer. It wasn't in like a beautiful binder. I just felt like I sat down and I wanted to talk to her and I couldn't get the words out. I couldn't get the thoughts out right. 
And that has been something that, you know, sometimes we can't get a hold of the people we want to, that we know we can tell everything to, or sometimes we just don't even know where to begin. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, everybody has a different way of doing it. For me, again, writing has been really cathartic to some people. It's prayer to some people. It's meditation to some people. It's being out in nature. There are a lot of ways to, to do it. Right. But. Oh, absolutely. Um, Again, what works for me is my meditation. I, yeah. I love to just get by myself and, and meditate. Uh, you know, it, I really do. That really, really helps me. I just shut out everything and everybody and just go into this comfort zone and just meditate. And it pretty much works every time. Well, and coming... So you have to- well, coming, sorry. No, coming full circle here, when we were talking about my husband saying to me, and then you and I laughing, we both do this, that we're in our head. And what <laughs> I've, I've found about meditation is that, or say mantras that you may get, they're just phrases and thoughts that that we get. And I'll tell you, when I do corporate speaking engagements, I feel like they don't necessarily like the word mantra. So I use the, the word power phrases. What is it that you can say to yourself when you, when you start... Uh, it's funny uh, getting that chicken monster like that's yap yap yapping in your head and how do you stop that a lot of that is from just having some sort of saying that you can say over and over to yourself so that you stop you know and and people get that through yoga through meditation through prayer and that they can walk away and 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 get themselves in a better place well you know i find myself and I understand exactly what you're saying because now, I, I would say for the last few months or so, maybe five months, when that happens to me, all the stuff starts popping in my head. All I say is, all is well. That's what I say. All is well. All, all is, is well. well. All, all is well. well. All is well. And yeah, I just keep saying that until I really truly believe, okay, everything's good. All is well. And keep on stepping. And keep on, right, take take small steps. I am, listen, I could talk to you for hours and I feel like I'm going to get off this call and be like, can we talk every few weeks? <laughs> really, like this has been so, and by the way, your laugh right now just sounded like Kim. I guess it's your mother. But I, I mean, this has been wonderful. I am so grateful that, you know, that we've been connected and she and I have been reconnected. And that is the beauty of technology today, as, as frustrating yeah. as it can be at times. But that, and I am so grateful that you have, you know, are sharing your stories with us on this podcast. And I close every episode with what I call the grateful game. I'm wondering if you would play with me. Yeah. All right. So for those of you that are new to me, Pretty Wellness or with Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast, I play the grateful game most nights with my 11-year-old. Uh, we started it a few years ago in an effort to start a gratitude practice. And of course, you know, as a kid, it's kind of fun to make it a competition. So what we do is we will decide on an amount of time. And in this case, I think I'll do 45 seconds for you and me. And then we see how many things that we can list off that we're grateful for and why. Now, 
these could be, sometimes they're really deep and they're really big and it would be like, I'm so grateful for my health. I'm so grateful for my house. I'm so grateful for food, shelter, all of that. Um, but other times it's the little things and I really value the little things because sometimes when life is really tough and life mm-hmm. is really hard, it's those little things that are, that, you know, really help us get through the day. And so I will start out and then I will kick it to you. All right. Okay. So I am going to say, because it's very relevant, I am really grateful that I have a copy and that I read your book. And why? Um, I'm telling you, and there are, like I said, there's so, so many different tips here on little ways, how to take small steps with your partner. On, on how to help them feel a little bit better. Yes, in when they're going through menopause, but this could also be finding a quiet moment with them. When your mate has a bad week and the clothes have piled up in the hamper, take it upon yourself to do the laundry. Yes. Right? Yeah. Hold hands yeah. while walking in a park. When you shared with us earlier about just how your husband rolled over and gave you a hug, cuddling. Like there's so many great ideas in this book that really work for any hardship. So, um, all right. I mean, that's my 45 seconds, but that is, uh, I am very grateful for you for the book and that we're here, you know, of course on this podcast. So I am throwing well, it now you. to you. Well, uh, first of all, let me say that I am so thankful that even at 76, I feel thankful that I'm still here and I feel wonderful and that I have still feel that I have so much to give, you know, so I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that I was married to my husband for 45 years. And out of that, I have two lovely daughters Uh and I have a wonderful family that it's always supportive, and I appreciate that. Well, that is beautiful. Okay, you won. Not that it matters. I will always say, like, it's not about winning or losing. It's how you play the game. I think my mom used to say that to me. But I, um, to me, it's just like, look at this. We could we could look around the room that we're in right now. Like, I am so grateful for um, these shoes that my friend painted and created them for me. Or I'm looking at the... Um, you know, the socks that I'm wearing, by the way, no one can see this, but I'm wearing two unmatching pair of those slipper socks right now. But, okay. right, it makes me laugh. It makes me happy finding little things in life uh, that we can be grateful for, that we appreciate can really help us put one foot in front of the other. Yes, yes, right? yes. So, Absolutely. Uh, again, I want to thank you so much for being here today. I want to thank the listeners for joining us on this journey of a love story course hitting a few hardships along the way and I am so looking forward to staying in touch Anne this has been really a, b- a beautiful conversation for me so well thank you so much and thank you so much I have thoroughly enjoyed this I was not nervous which I thought I might be you made it so easy for me to be just comfortable and like I said I'm so thankful that I was, I was able to listen to you and your husband's story. And that's just, when I listened to that, I knew I'm going to be fine. Oh, thank you. I can relate to this. So tell your husband. I will do that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On so many levels. Uh, This has been wonderful. Now to everybody else out there, have a wonderful day. I am wishing you so much happiness and good health. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. 
And tell your friends about us too. If you love us, they might as well. And now, my parting words. We play the grateful game at the end of each episode, and here's why. After my second diagnosis, I started to research who was thriving with cancer and what they were doing to be well. I learned that wellness is about consistent self-care, creating everyday practices that help improve your body and mind toward a state of good health. And for me, focusing on gratitude brings tremendous positive energy into my life. I am not only incredibly grateful for amazing guests like Anne on this show, Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast, I also love getting to know all the guests' passions and projects. Now, Anne's recent charitable work includes co-founding the Dream a Dream Foundation in memory of her late husband, Don. The work of this foundation is to create career opportunities and exposure for youth in sports, music, and entrepreneurship. The Dream a Dream Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was created to support, uplift, and actualize the dreams of young people who may not have the resources to achieve their goals. Now, I am hoping that you will check them out and consider donating to them at thedreamadreamfoundation.org. I'll also have this link in the show notes. So thank you again for joining us today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.